Hey everyone, welcome to the Voices in Japan podcast with your hosts Ben and Burke. On today's episode, we talk about some of the main reasons or factors that have led to Burke and I staying in Japan long term. In fact, it's coming up to Burke's 20th year of living in Japan. That's right, that's almost half of his life. And for me, I have just passed the 14 year mark. So we thought that it would be the perfect time to talk about this topic. I'm not going to give away the biggest reasons for staying in Japan for such a long time, so please listen on to find out. Enjoy the show. Each, me, san. Anyways,、uh, uh, yeah, how you been, man? You've been well? I haven't, haven't spoke to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, just been pretty good. Everyone's、uh, was almost 100% healthy, and、uh, I think maybe daughter's sick again, so might be a little bit sick. But、uh, yeah, just been busy with work and stuff. How about you?、Uh, I've finally come to the end of my holiday, so I start working. I started, started work last week. Uh, had my first classes and then,、uh, yeah, from, from this week, I'll be back into my full schedule. Yeah, Monday, Monday to Friday. So it's been, is that、uh, in, sorry? in person or what? Uh, some are in person and some are online. So from next week on Monday, Monday to Thursday is going to be on Zoom. So, doing some Zoom classes, and then Friday is going to be face to face. And then the following week, I think it's going to change. It might be like some more face to face, hopefully. And that's like at,、uh, because it's at different universities or? Yeah, yeah. Certain yeah. universities. So, certain universities don't have mixed policies. So, just like based on the universities. Yeah. Po- university、exactly. has one policy. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're all private. So, they can pretty much do whatever they want. And, Some have decided to do like a either a hybrid, which is like half online, half in the classroom, or all all online one week and then the next week will be online. I mean, face to face. So, yeah, it, it's really weird. It depends on the on how the university wants to do it. And even in the university, it depends how each department wants to do their own as well. So, they all do their own thing. Wow. And you guys,、yeah. oh, so at some places they chose. Online for you guys, yeah, yeah, and now because the state of emergency has been extended to the end of September, so probably from then, from October, I think everything will hopefully be kind of face to face again, unless there's another extension. Because there's been what like two extensions or something like that since the something like that,、yeah. state of emergency, yeah, so no one really knows what's happening.、Uh, but Sapporo has been getting kind of better, or Hokkaido, in terms of numbers anyway. They're like、yeah. down to less than 200 a day,、um, around 100 or something like that, 150. Yeah, and Sapporo's like under 50 now a day or something. Yeah, so, so. it's a bit weird why they extended the、uh, state of emergency. I, I'm not sure well, what the reasoning for that was. Well, I don't think it's based, that decision is based on the number of infections. I think that's based on the situation of the hospitals.、Mm. 
And uh, if they feel the hospitals are at a certain, or if the number of severe cases, I guess that equals hospitalizations or whatever, but if it's at a certain point, then that's what they're uh, basing their decision on, waiting for that situation to cool down a bit, I guess. So they're like at full capacity at the moment. To, I guess. I, I mean, it's boring. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I'm paid attention to the paying attention to the news as much as possible, but it's just like, yeah, don't want to watch it too much. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even though they extended the state of emergency, it doesn't feel like anything's different. Like I went out into into town over the weekend into Odori, and yeah, it would it just felt kind of like normal. Everyone was shopping. Um, obviously, was still wearing masks and stuff, but. You know, it, it, no one had, were kind of refraining themselves from going out. So, but what yeah, are the, I guess, uh, what are the uh, alcohol serving rules? Though? Well, that's remained the same. It's like no alcohol at all is being served. Um, and restaurants are closing, I think eight o'clock, eight or nine. So last orders are usually around seven thirty or eight. Um, and no alcohol at all. So we tried to get, uh, we tried to go to like a, a pronto cafe slash bar and see if they had any uh, beer that they would be that they might serve, but uh, they decided, yeah, just uh, soft drinks only. So it depends on wow. the on the establishment, really. They can decide to sell if they want to, because it's just a it's just a request, right? Not right. to serve alcohol. So obviously, there's some places that are still kind of not really following the rules. Um, couple of bars in in town down in Suskino not many but there's a couple that you know they're, they're still serving alcohol until the regular hours like one two in the morning and they're they're pretty busy from what I've heard a lot of young people Ben's, going to those places Ben sniffed them all out <laughs> <laughs> gotta get my Ben's fix somewhere depends <laughs> on the case hit me up if you want to know where to go <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that's good, man. It's just, that's why I just keep thinking. I mean, I guess you're saying it's pretty much regular as it always is, but I just kind of feel like whenever, uh, more normalcy returns, it's, it's really going to be like coming back to Japan after a, like a long time. But hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So today's topic moving right along, uh, thinking, uh, I was just kind of thinking like, yeah, cause, uh, next year, I think. Will come up to twenty years for me in Japan. Wow! So 20. the big two zero. Yeah. What, what's what's the date? What will be your twentieth anniversary in Japan? Uh, I gotta look exactly what the date is because um, <clears throat> it's basically I think the last in two thousand and two the last weekend in September uh, is when I arrived in Tokyo and then we had the one week training in Tokyo. So I think I got to Sapporo like the first weekend of October, uh, in 2002. So yeah, uh, I'm not sure what the exact date is. I got to go back and look at it, but it might be like October 3rd or something, 2002. Mm. But uh, anyways, yeah. So then just thinking like, well, what are the reasons, some of the reasons for staying for a long time? I think, uh, people are kind of interested to hear about stuff like that. Like we had that one episode long, long time ago that was kind of top three reasons to live in Japan. And, uh, similar to that, like top uh maybe not top but you know some reasons why you've stayed in japan for a long long time or long term ben did you have a chance to think about that 
Yeah, definitely. But I actually wanted to ask you because you kind of have two stints in Japan, right? Like I, I remember you saying you left, uh, went back home, and then you came back. But I kind of wanted to know the reasons why you decided to come back, and that might. I, I never, I never left Japan. Did you not? Oh no, you left Sapporo. That was that yeah, was, I left was Sapporo. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left Sapporo. I left uh, Japan only once between teaching at uh, English Conversation School and then switching to the Jet program. Like I went back for uh, a few years then, which is just crazy that I was able to get Sapporo as a location for that I requested for Akaiwa or English Language School, and then also was able to get it for Jet program. But yeah, so I left Sapporo. And came back. Oh, so you left Sapporo. You went down to Miyaken. 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 This is like uh, everybody else. This is like you learning about my life for the first time. Yeah. Too, right? yeah. The Birkins of you today. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to c- contribute too, some. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I wanted to know. Well, I guess my question is. Um, uh, not really important anymore because you never left Japan. <laughs> but why did you decide to come back to Sapporo? Well, because uh, Mie can, uh, to, be advantage, I, to be honest, I didn't take advantage of life there as much as I should have. For example, I was living in this city called Tsu, and it's right near where the uh, one of the most famous temples, uh, Isejingu, uh, I guess shrines in uh, in Japan is, and I never even went to that. I think I was just—I mean, I was down there when I was at that uh, university because um, I wanted to transition from teaching English back to the business world. So I figured I would do a Japanese language study program for a year at some point. And uh, I was first looking at the Ritzmaken program. Ritzmaken <clears throat> also had a program, and I actually applied to that one. I was planning to go down there, went to look for an apartment and everything. I think I've told the story before, but anyways, I ended up going to a smaller university's program in Miyaken that had like a more concentrated program, teachers per students, and uh, yeah, so that's why I was there. But I decided to come back because it was just too inaka for me. Mm. Uh, it was like the thing to look forward to doing was like going to the grocery store. It was like, cause it was like a <laughs> big, decent sized grocery store supermarket, you know? Um, and other than that, it was just like go to classes and stuff. The university itself was pretty fun. It was a really small university, but yeah, it was just like, I missed. And, and I've talked about it too, because I used to watch on Facebook and I kind of saw that you had like arrived <laughs> in support of, you the remember Bert, that? Burke version two. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, oh, Asian the, like yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. upgrade, upgraded, uh, uh, yeah, version of the Asian guy and Eon at Sapporo. I was like, man, this dude can't replace me. So yeah, that's another reason I want to come back and reclaim my life. <laughs> Get claim yeah. back your crown. Yeah, okay. yeah. I started seeing these pictures of you on Facebook. I'm like, who is this? I can't believe this. Like, it's like, looks like he's about the same height as me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> same weight, <laughs> same build. <laughs> yeah. They're like, man, that guy from America was like such a good success at this school. We, should, we need to get, a, get another one of those like kind of Asian guys. Right, right. <laughs> same school. school and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Push that plan again. <laughs> For me, one of the, ma- the biggest things about staying in japan is uh is the job and 
I think, you know, you have to, every, anywhere you go, you need to find a job that you enjoy and you like. Um, but for me, I, I can't say I love teaching English, but teaching English in Japan does have a lot of benefits um, as opposed to teaching, uh, say, back in my home country. So I was planning to come to Japan for maybe two years and then go home, uh, pick up engineering again, and, yeah, basically be an engineer. Uh, but then after being in Japan for two years, I just kind of fell in love with the lifestyle of uh, of being an English teacher. And it does give you a lot more kind of free time to to in, enjoy things. And because of the holidays that you get from being an English teacher, you can do a lot of things and you can travel a lot and you can make pretty good money too. And I don't think there's many countries that you can have that lifestyle from from uh, from any kind of job unless um, unless you're uh, you know either working from home on a computer or something and you can travel anywhere maybe programming or something like that but um but also teaching english is it's not a very difficult job uh, in terms of um the 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 knowledge that you need you need, you know, there's obviously a lot of skills that you need to learn, but in terms of the, the knowledge when you're teaching English in Japan is, uh, doesn't have to be that big because you're teaching quite low level in general. Even at universities, you're still teaching, you know, kind of beginner to, to medium level. Whereas if you're teaching English in, say, a Western country, then you have to have, you know, PhDs. You have to be, uh, very, uh, well, well written, um, written a lot of books and articles and things. So I think having, um, that freedom from teaching English in Japan is, uh, yeah, is, is, is one of the biggest reasons why I kind of stayed here. Uh, and I know a lot of people kind of want to get out of teaching, like yourself, Burke. I think you kind of, I mean, I know you enjoyed it, but then you said you wanted to study something else so you can do a different kind of career in, uh, in Japan. Well, I just wanted to return to business, but yeah. I mean, the other thing about teaching English is like, for, pe for people who've never done it is there's, uh, there's kind of like an established structure or system that you can just plug any native English speaker into and they can function within that system. Like for, if it's like, uh, English language schools, like they have a basically script where you're performing for 50 minutes through like the, uh, warm up, then the drilling and everything, you know onto the conversation and stuff. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, that's another reason, as you were saying, that like anybody could, you know, kind of come over here and, and do it and not be too stressed out by the job. Although I have uh, encountered people that have gone crazy, literally, uh, while teaching English. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, because of that reason, you know. That but it wasn't because they were teaching English. I'm just saying because they, they freaked out by coming to Japan. But Oh, ahead, right, right. More, more yeah, like. Yeah being in japan rather than the actual job but i I've, yeah i'm not I've saying know, that you, yeah. i know people that have you know kind of freaked out because of the job because of the the uh, the lack of responsibility that they that they are given and that all oh, right and you know they want to kind of progress in their careers they want to have more of an impact on their students but when you're coming in as an alt uh there's basically only so much you're allowed to do so people always come, you know, the, the new teachers come to Japan and they think they're going to change everything. They're going to change the whole education system. They're going to teach, uh, they're going to change how 
teachers teach in Japan, but that's that's not going to happen. And I think once people realize that, they'll probably be a lot happier uh, living in Japan. But some people can't really deal with that concept and then end up leaving Japan because of that or, or quitting teaching anyway. Um, but then if you're not teaching, uh, unless you have very good Japanese level or some other skills, then it's quite hard to get into a, another career. And I think for me, because my Japanese hasn't been that good, I'm, I'm still studying now, but I, I that's probably the main reason why I haven't been able to branch into a, a, another career. And I'm not sure if I'd want to in Japan either because of the working culture. We've talked about this before in, in previous episodes of what it's like to work for a Japanese company. And to be honest, I don't think I'd want to, you know, with uh, with the amount of hours they have to work and overtime. Uh, I, I mean, you can have a better comparison of that Bert, because you have first-hand experience so uh yeah uh what would you say would be better to work in a japanese company or uh or work as an english teacher uh well the other thing is i've been kind of i guess lucky to work at multiple japanese companies not a lot but uh, multiple companies so kind of seen uh the good and the bad of all of them and uh i think if if you get in the right type of company, it's going to be a company that's going to have more relaxed atmosphere and stuff. But like, it's going to have other things. Like when I was at Konami, that was definitely relaxed kind of IT atmosphere. But you know, there was like, uh, it was like a lot of people that were just focused on video games as their life, you know, otaku and stuff. And it was kind of like, I mean, I got along well with everybody, but that wasn't really my life either. And I was like, I'm not really like this kind of person. Is this like really the company I want to be working at for a long time either? And then I've worked at small companies that are kind of like startups too. And, uh, those got a nice relaxed atmosphere, but then they don't have some structure that might help out sometimes. So in the end, it's not really about like if I think if you want to work at a Japanese company or not, it's just like you got to feel somewhere where you feel comfortable and, uh, you think it's, uh, yeah, making you content in your life. And, uh, yeah, whether that's at a Japanese company or not. Uh, it's kind of what it comes down to, I think, for everybody. So, what's been your favorite job you've had in your life so far, um, in in both America and Japan? Well, it's fun. I was I was going to say something about this, but uh, I think I might have been actually teaching at the uh, English language conversation school because uh number one i was just like in japan it was like everything was novel and it was just like crazy going to work every day it was just like looking around in amazement and everything but the other thing about teaching english to those conversation schools you're either you're asked to go into the classroom and be all like super happy in front of everybody kind of like raise the mood make people happy that they chose to study english at that school and like the teachers are supposed to be a big part of creating that atmosphere both in the lobbies and the classrooms and everything. They have like, what was it called? Like lobby talk or something you're supposed to be doing. Um, but because of that, like you, uh, you don't, I mean, you, it does kind of cheer you up all the time. Cause you're just like, you had to be like in a good mood and cheering other people up and ask them like, how was their day and everything. And, and, uh, so because of that, like, I think I was in a pretty good mood, like all the time while I was teaching English at school too. But it's just like, I don't know if I could do that forever was what it started to come down to. But anyways, there was a lot of things like that that made that job. And because it was like novelty, new, new things happening all the time, meeting all these people across the board and stuff. So to be honest, I think that might have been the job that I've enjoyed most in my life. Was mm. that your question? And what about yeah, you? Yeah, no, exactly. I, th I think mine um, working at the, that language school, the same one that you're talking about, 
that I wouldn't say that was my most enjoyable job, but it definitely comes into my top five um, for similar reasons from what you said. But also just because when you when you teach at a language school, the students are motivated. They want to be there. They're they're very happy all the time when they come in to see you. Um, and they and you get treated like a superstar as well. It's like you know they have parties for you all the time. Everyone wants to talk to you. Um, but like you said, once you know how long can you kind of keep doing that job? Because you you got to be you know high energy all the time, and you can kind of get burnt out. Um, which I think a lot of teachers kind of do working in that industry now, especially as like the the work hours have kind of increased. Like when I was there. I, th- I think I was doing like five lessons a day, which wasn't too bad. Sometimes I'd be doing six, um, yeah. but I've heard now they're doing like <clears throat> seven and they're doing at least six every day. Wow. Um, and then some days they'll do seven. But, you know, when I was working there, some days I'd be doing three, some four. Um, but even like way before me, I heard it was even cruisier. And, you know, some some people were really enjoying it. And they'd have like a lot more teachers as well. So they could spread the spread the classes around. Um, but yeah, so that, that, I would say that would come in my probably third or fourth, uh, most enjoyable job I've had, but the, yeah, definitely the most enjoyable job I've had, um, was, was in England when I was a, a university student, just, just working at the cinema just cause I could watch free movies all the time and <laughs> eat, eat popcorn and hot dogs. <laughs> so, yeah, but I don't think I mean, that's I, a, that's a career. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know we were like including jobs like that. (laughs) I worked at a pretty cool cafe in college, you know, university too. Um, yeah, man, that's, uh, definitely sounds like a pretty easy, enjoyable job, especially if you're getting to watch the movies for free. (laughs) Were you actually allowed to, or you just kind of like would sneak in to the theater? Uh, we, we had the thing is in our job, we had to seat people. And then when everyone was seated and the film started, there was nothing else to do. So we were allowed to go in to the, to the, the screen and kind of be uh, almost like a security guard and make sure people weren't messing around, which usually they weren't anyway. But the problem was you had to be the first one out of the, of the screen to, to open the doors and let people out. So I'd always miss the last five minutes of a movie <laughs> all right <laughs> so i watched i remember watching like blade three like three times no blade two three times and never watching the ending so i still don't know how it ends <laughs> but you know like up to that point like really well because you've yeah. seen it repeatedly <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i was gonna say one of my most important things is probably just the safety or chian as they call it in yes. Japanese and of the country as well. But as uh, specifically about Sapporo having, you know, spent almost all of my time here in Sapporo. Um, and I actually looked it up and I looked up some uh, interesting information about Sapporo and how safe it is or is not here. And I wanted to kind of ask you some questions if you wouldn't mind. Oh, ask yeah. you some questions, test your Go knowledge ahead. a bit. All right. <laughs> this is about crime in Sapporo and, uh, uh, these are statistics for July, uh, so a couple months ago here in Sapporo. Ben, how many reported crimes do you think there were in Sapporo in the month of July? And, uh, you know, Sapporo's population is what, like 1.9 million people or something. So how many reported crimes do you think there were? <laughs> uh, 
how many reported crimes in July? Yeah, of all types of crimes. All types of crimes. Uh, All right. Um, I'm going to go four (laughs) out of one point. No, I'm going to go four. 25. <laughs> I'm going to go for 25. 20, 26. 20, let's say 26. 26 reported crimes. You might not realize everything that constitutes a crime, uh, but it's obviously it's much, much higher than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, Sapporo is not as safe as I think it is then. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing. Everybody has this impression of how safe the, you know, the country is and Sapporo is and stuff. Uh, yeah. It's, you said 25? Yeah. Uh, the number is 4,883 uh, crimes That's were reported in Sapporo. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of, there's a breakdown of what types of crimes. Um, so the largest type of crime, or the uh, the most, uh, the one that occurred the most, are larceny, uh, is larceny. And that was 3,118 uh, reported cases. Wow. Uh, the next one after that was violent crime. This includes like murders, robbers, arson, rape, or sexual assault. That was how many do you think that were? That that's kind of like the most serious type of crime. How many do you think there were of those? Yeah, that, so that that what was what I was thinking. That kind of crime. So yeah. Oh, okay. Twenty five. Twenty five. That's so. That's pretty close. There was forty three cases oh, okay. of violent crime. Uh, uh So murders. Robbers, arson, rape, or sexual assault. Uh, another one was uh, what are considered like rough crimes. So this is like assault or some kind of damage or injury being caused. Uh, that was 614 incidences of that. Uh, intelligent crimes, I guess this means like white-collar crime. This is scams, breach of trust, or embezzlement. Uh, there was 197 cases of that. Uh, let's see. Customs crimes. I was watching TV the other day, and they're like the whole show about uh, all these people trying to smug- snuggle fruit or in from like Southeast Asia or like uh, um, like herbs from China worth like thousands of dollars to make like medicine and stuff, you know, mm. compo. And uh, if, of course, the whole program's through the eyes of like a, a dog, a sniffing dog and stuff. So yeah. uh, that's Japan would. Uh, the last one. Uh, yeah, so customs crimes, there's 126 cases of this, and then other, 785, whatever that, that means. So, yeah, so you were kind of close with your um, estimation of uh, super violent crimes. Yeah. Serious crimes, yeah. But crimes in general, I guess, I was way off. So, in one month, that's uh, that's that sounds quite a lot. I mean, I'm not sure if you've researched any comparisons to America or anything. I mean, do you, do you well, think it'd be a lot, a lot different? Well, I tried to. Uh, so I was like, "All right, what's a city about the same size as Sapporo?" And and uh, Chicago is Chicago is larger. I think it's like two point seven million or something. And like the closest one, it might have been like Houston or something. Uh, but so I tried to just look at Chicago and uh, like you type in crime in Chicago, and the only thing that comes up is like uh, um, shootings and deaths by being shot. You know, because Chicago has such a like gun violence problem. You know. Uh, so it's like, it's hard to get statistics other than like on gun violence in Chicago. So I just gave up. I was like, I, I can't like, I don't have time to get into this too deep. So, so they didn't have like a breakdown of smaller crimes. It was, it was mainly like kind of serious, serious crimes. 
Yeah, and it was immediately like 300 shootings in Chicago last month or something. You know? mm. It was like headlines like that or something. So it was hard to think about anything else. But talking about crime in Sapporo, or I guess not crime, but uh, man, have you heard? Did you hear this uh, about this guy, this really old politician uh, who? Because they have this problem in Japan of like with older people driving and causing accidents and stuff. So a lot of TV programs and news segments are about this now. And uh, very recently. Uh, last week or something, this guy, he's 90 years old, was sentenced to prison for five years for a crash that he caused in 2019. They killed a mother and daughter. Uh, but this guy is like the former chief of what was the now defunct Agency of Industrial Science and Technology under the Ministry of International Trade and Industry. His name is uh, Kozo Izuka. But anyways, he maintained and pleaded guilt, not guilty through his whole trial, saying that he didn't cause the accident. Um, but it was a mechanical failure um, that made the car accelerate. And like, uh, because he was kind of like this famous politician, like during the whole um, investigation, like the police would go to his house. He didn't have to come in for questioning and stuff. And everyone got upset about it, um, that he was getting like special treatment. And I'm not even sure now if he's like admitted that it's uh, his fault or anything. But anyways, um, this is always a big topic because that year, like the number of elderly people that turned in their licenses, like went in, some from something like uh it rose by like 180,000 to 100 total of 600,000 or something but uh i mean these are these uh types of uh just bad things that happen in Sapporo and stuff and uh i don't know if you remember that accident where like a uh, elderly driver actually kind of like uh mowed into some uh nursery school kids in Sapporo or was it in Sapporo or somewhere in Japan do you remember that yeah i, th- I think it was Sapporo yeah M- maybe yeah i guess like a couple of years ago and, and yeah. you're saying that politician was the guy that did it? No, no, no. This guy did a similar thing in Tokyo in 2019. Mm. And uh, he killed a mother and a daughter and uh, just kind of d- denied responsibility through the whole thing and got special treatment basically uh, by the police. So it like upset a lot of people. So it was a big news story recently. But uh, but that just like that whole thing uh, and about those nursery school kids, like now I kind of never stand at the corner corner of like an inter- intersection <laughs> it's kind of like uh i mean it's just basically i w- i would not be that worried about it if i didn't have kids like before i had kids i was probably like man i'm spider-man i could just like jump out of the way yeah or like uh run over the car if it like comes at me on the curb because you know what happens is the cars they're like making one well, japan they're making like a right turn and so they turn and they basically like arc right into whoever is standing on that corner of the street right Mm. Uh, because they're pulling into that lane and uh many times they mistaken the uh gas pedal or the accelerator for the brake and so they like slam on the uh gas pedal you know and they just like lose control of the car and they go hopping over the curve and hit whoever's on that uh on that you know who's standing at that intersection so just because we live in the city and whenever i'm walking with my daughter i'm trying to always like kind of stand away from those corners just to get that in her head too I, mm. I don't know, man. I'm so freaked out about it. I noticed, like, whether there's a curb or not, like, at the actual intersection. Like, a lot of the intersection support where they have, like, kind of, uh, like, a protective barrier or something. Mm. For some reason, I notice, like, all that stuff now. I don't know why. But, yeah, so safety in Japan is something that's kept me here for a long time. Uh, for me, I would say another one is uh, is the convenience of living in Japan. C- Japan is so convenient. I mean, you know, the convenience stores, as everyone knows, um, they have everything. They're everywhere. They're on every corner. They even have convenience stores competing against each other that are like 
you know, across the road, um, Lawson, 7-Eleven, Seiko Mart, all of those. And they have everything you need, and a lot of them are open 24 hours. Uh, you can get alcohol in there anytime, any food. Uh, you can print stuff. You can fax things. Um, I mean, people still do that in Japan. You can, yeah, send, send parcels, send mails, um, a lot of things. Um, but not only convenience stores, but just everywhere that you kind of live, there's always something useful in within walking distance. So there'll be a supermarket that's not that far away. Um, there'll be a hundred yen shop close by. Um, where you can pretty much buy anything there as well for, for dirt cheap. Um, so even, you know, transportation is really convenient here, but you don't even really need a car. If you had a bike, you could live quite well. Um, unless you lived probably, you know, like in an Inaka place where they don't have so much around. Um, but if you live in any city, then, you know, you can, you can live quite easily without a car. If you live somewhere where the highlight of the weekend might be that you're going to the supermarket <laughs> to buy a bento, uh, and then go back to your apartment to watch DVDs of Ameri- old American TV programs because you're homesick. Uh, yeah, you was might that, feel was that your life in Mie. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Um, there was like a shopping mall in the, uh, kind of like next town and stuff. And then the actual, yeah, I mean, there were actually metropolitan area. They just weren't, they were like a train stop away from me and stuff. So it was pretty, uh, different lifestyle. <laughs> mm. So Inaka life is definitely a lot different, but I think, yeah, living in a, in a city, any kind of medium sized city, Sapporo is the fifth biggest in Japan. Um, but it's not really that big. Uh, there's only 1.9 million people here. And, but everything is so, yeah, it's, it's so convenient here. Like it, it doesn't take too long to, to get into town and there's parks everywhere. Um, I haven't had a car since I've been here and I don't think I'll ever buy one just because I can use the, the subway or the bus or prefer, I prefer just to, to ride my bike everywhere. And even if I don't ride my bike, I don't, I don't mind walking to places too because it's, everything's not really that far apart. Um, you know, to, to get downtown. Uh, I guess if you want to go out into into the mountains and stuff, then you probably need a car, but then you can just rent one, hire one, or or uh, get get your friend to to drive you, which is what I usually do. I think this kind of maybe leads into a little bit of one of my other big reasons uh, for being in Japan, which is I was just going to say the fact that I ended up in Hokkaido. Uh, I mean, you're now talking about like how convenient. Uh, life is here, which is a definite plus. And, uh, you know, just overall in general too, in general too, I think, uh, Hokkaido, I mean, we always talk about how great it is here. Uh, so it's not even one of the best places in Japan, but, you know, it's one of the best places in Asia. I think it was like 2016, Lonely Planet, like voted it top destination. Oh, you know what? I forgot to mention at the uh, very beginning of recording, but, uh, after our last episode, was it our last episode? We were talking about like um, places to visit in Sapporo. It was a couple yeah. episodes ago. Yeah, it was remember, a couple but, weeks ago. Yeah. Um, somebody emailed me, a listener in Japan, a Japanese guy that I know who listens to the podcast, and he uh, wanted to clarify that actually because we were talking about like uh, night views in Japan. Yeah, the Moiwa night view. 
Yeah, we were talking about specifically about Moyo, but he emailed me this article that, that shows that uh, they in 2020 they like redecided like top three. But this was like cities in J- in Japan with the top three best night views, and uh, number one was Nagasaki, uh, number two was Sapporo, and number three was uh, Kyushu. Just so somewhere in Kyushu. Number two uh, Kita, was Kita, Sapporo. Kita Kyushu, uh, Kita yeah, number two was Sapporo. And for Sapporo, they mentioned uh, for the night views, uh, Moiwa, uh, what is the uh, Okurayama? Is that the uh, ski jump? What's this? Okurayama, yeah, Okurayama ski jump. That's the one. Yeah, and JR Tower, TV Tower, which I would disagree with, uh, yeah, are the... Uh, yeah, the top ones. So yeah, Sapporo was, and this was based on, they have these people that are like certified people in like uh, appreciating night view in Japan, apparently. Wow. That's impressive, <laughs> and, especially yeah. if they, they, you know, Hakodate is not in that list, which I'm quite surprised about. Yeah, because it definitely has, maybe by itself, this, so again, I have to clarify, this was uh, for cities. So that might not, maybe for like specific night views, that's obviously one of the top in Japan. But they, yeah, so they uh, surveyed 5,542 of these people that have this certification apparently. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sapporo was number two. So he wanted to mention that. But anyways, uh, that just kind of was, again, another plus about Sapporo. But I think the fact that I ended up in Hokkaido is definitely one of the reasons of why I've been able to, I mean, I got lucky uh, obviously, my family and relatives are here too, but my placement for the language conversation school was here, uh, English conversation school, and for JET too, which like hardly anybody gets their requested placements and stuff, I guess. But you also requested Sapporo too, didn't you say? No, I just requested Hokkaido. Oh, Hokkaido, and then, yeah, 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 yeah. And got Sapporo. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, wouldn't you say uh, that Hokkaido probably plays in... And the and I'm gonna say the people too, like the long term expat crowd and everything, uh, just kind of keep meeting like good people through people that I already know and everything. Uh, so I just think kind of got lucky in that sense of being ending up here, which is one of the reasons I've been able to stay here for so long. Yeah, definitely. I think Hok- uh, living in Hokkaido uh, gives you um, a, a special kind of lifestyle where most of the expats that do come here. They're always kind of interested in similar things, you know, the outdoors, snowboarding, hiking. So everyone has a kind of similar uh, way of thinking. So you, it always kind of brings together very similar people um, in Hokkaido. And like most of most of our friends, uh, yeah, we have similar interests. Uh, you know, we all snowboard. We all like being outside. Um, and for some reason, we all like to, to fight as well. <laughs> Yeah. jiu-jitsu <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean even people that don't do jiu-jitsu there's like you know everyone's just it's uh for some reason it's a very good crowd i mean i guess if you can survive the uh winters if winter is a problem for you but again like you're saying most people who stay here obviously long, well long term they enjoy like the outdoors maybe even specifically like winter sports and stuff and uh yeah it's just been uh, it's a because, I don't know, I kind of feel like I should have done at least uh, two years in Tokyo. I kind of uh, miss or regret not having done that. Don't you ever feel like you kind of wanted to live in Tokyo for at least like a year or something? Yeah, just to- definitely. I think if if um, I could do things again, uh, when I first came, I think I would have liked to at least live in Tokyo for maybe one year when I was young, just to experience all the all the nightlife. And there's, you know, there's so many things to do there. 
Um, I think now I can really do it because uh, I just, I th- yeah, I think I'm too old to to really appreciate all the the things that Tokyo has to offer in terms of uh, you know events and nightlife. Um, but I think yeah, Hokkaido is a bit slower, so I think getting older here seems to seems to be a lot better than uh, than other places like Osaka or Tokyo or something. Um, yeah, so definitely definitely the place. Played a played a big factor in in me staying in Japan. I I don't think I could live. Well, I've only lived in Sapporo anyway, but I can't really see myself living anywhere else. Maybe if there was like a city similar to Sapporo uh, with a with a warmer climate, maybe down south somewhere, um, I could I could probably do that. But um, but it has all the mountains here, and and I love the winter time as well, which is which is a big reason why I stayed. Uh, being able to snowboard every year. Is a, is a big bonus for me, but I think I think the main one of the main things uh, for staying here, and I think staying anywhere too, is uh, is being able to find someone, uh, you know, a partner that you can be with long term, and uh, you know, if you can meet a special Japanese person like I have, you have Burke, and and all our all our long term kind of friends in Sapporo have as well married uh, Japanese people I think that is probably one of the biggest things why someone would stay in Japan or where they are because I think if you didn't meet a Japanese person it would be quite hard to stay here like you you know it's, it's quite lonely if you're by yourself uh, I mean you know some some people there are a lot of single people as well that you know can obviously enjoy enjoy themselves but I think having a, a partner here is a is a big factor in staying and if your partner's not japanese there's probably less of a chance that you will stay here long term because then you don't really have any roots here yeah yeah it's funny you bring this up because that was actually something i was going to mention too because uh um kind of thinking about my mom who moved from japan to the u.s i can't i mean she came from a big family and i can't remember if she was told this by her mother or she just thought it herself but it was I mean, she did it like back in the early 70s, basically, uh, maybe even late 60s. Uh, but it was, uh, so it was like completely different time, but it was, uh, either she decided or she was told us, but it was like, if you don't want to be homesick in that other country, miss your family and everything, then, uh, she should start like her own family. And, uh, or no, no, it was somebody on some TV program, I think, who said this. Anyways, but yeah, if you have your own family or just like you're saying, like some, some significant other, uh, in Japan, then, uh, just like you said, it feels like you've got some roots there. And, uh, yeah, you won't miss your family at home as much, even though, you know, obviously do a lot, but, uh, having your own family or, I mean, that's a, kind of the other thing too about the good group of friends I feel like I have around me too. Uh, feels like having family here. Plus, I actually do have relatives and stuff too, so I'm pretty spoiled again. But, but yeah, just like you're saying, I think that's definitely an important part of being able to feel like you're comfortable enough uh, to stay long term somewhere. And I think for uh, for especially you know foreigners coming to Japan, I think it's quite easy for them to meet a significant other. Like, there's always like you know international parties. There's foreign bars where Japanese people want to go to learn English so already you're kind of an attraction once you are in Japan you have an edge over just like regular people 
because people just, especially if they're interested in English anyway, they already want to talk to you or they're interested in you. Whereas if you're back at home, there's a lot more competition and you've got to kind of stand out. But if you're a foreigner coming to Japan, you already stand out. So you already have that advantage、um, coming here. And then, yeah, I think there's a lot more opportunities to meet people.、Um, it's easier to talk to Japanese、uh, people, I think,、uh, especially when you're approaching them for the first time. You know, you don't usually get given the cold shoulder so much, like back at home.、Uh, they're usually a bit more friendlier. They might not like you, but they'll be, they'll be polite to you, to your face anyway. So I think, yeah, if,、uh, and, and a lot of people do come to Japan to, to meet. You know,、uh, to find like Japanese girls or Japanese guys.、Um, so I think if you do find someone, then it will be a lot easier for, for you to, to stay in Japan. And there's a, probably a big reason why most people do stay in Japan because they, they marry、uh, a Japanese person. Yeah, have kids when they're stuck. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yes. So,、uh, anyways,、uh, I think, man, I think we covered quite a bit actually、uh, during this yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. Maybe some good reasons. Obviously, there's, you know, when you're talking about something that is important, is where you're going to live long term. There's a lot more we could obviously talk about and go into depth too. But I think a lot of that was maybe a lot of people who have been in Japan long term would agree that those are some of the important things for them too. Yeah, 100%. And,、uh, and if, you, uh, if you think of、uh, coming to Japan to, to stay long term,、uh, yeah, maybe send us an email or something if you want any advice and、uh, we, can, we can probably help you out. Yeah, we get some of those from time to time. Yeah, I don't think we've replied to any though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. I have. I have. I don't think you have. I haven't. <laughs> Send, you send, your, send email, your questions to Burke. Yeah. If you have any of those emails signed Ben from Voices in Japan, it's a rarity. It might be worth money someday. Hold on to it. Because Ben never replies. Just kidding. Just kidding. One time. All right. One time. All right, everyone.、Uh, thanks for listening. Burke, Oskarasama deshita. Oskarasama des. Sayonara. This episode was brought to you by Barefoot Bar, located in downtown Sapporo, walking distance from the subway station. There are a variety of Japanese made craft bottled beers, a range of whiskies and basic cocktails also available, burgers and pub style snacks, friendly English and Japanese speaking staff. For more information, check out their Facebook page. That's、uh, facebook.com slash barefootbar. And that's bears in the animal, B E A R, foot, F O O T, bar.